This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. And as we begin, pastor has asked that I handle this Sunday and next Sunday as led of the Lord. We're dealing with family matters, marriage, family, parenting in these days. And you understand we can't deal with everything in two Sundays. So I'm simply leading as the Lord has led me. And the motive for this today, next Sunday, is love. As pastors saying all the time, we, we want everyone to have days of heaven upon the earth. We don't want anyone to see trouble, and certainly not with children. Now this is a prayer request I received just a week ago. This is from an online partner, but prayer requests like this are becoming more and more common. Pastors, I am humbly seeking prayers and believing God to intervene and turn my child's life around and give her refrain, deliverance, from wanting to live a homosexual lifestyle. Please pray for a miracle from God that she would come to know the love of Jesus and receive him as her savior. Her name is, she writes, she's just turning 18. She met online friends and she's been planning to run away from home to move to a strange city. I need prayer for God to change her mind and help to get through this anxiety, rebellion, sadness, hurt, grief, and shame. Please, please pray. We need Jesus. Please pray. Now this prayer request is from an online partner, somebody in a different part of the world, but prayer requests like this are becoming more and more common. And part of the challenge that we face is there is great ignorance and great deception about the days in which we're living. And part of the lie, part of the, the part of the mentality of deception is people say, well, this is Texas, or this is the Metroplex, this is not New York, this is not San Francisco, this is not Los Angeles. But see, online, the technology, the social media has changed everything. And children are being exposed to a world of evil like never before. And again, the, the, the motive for everything I preach today from the Word of God is a motive of love. And what I see pastorally is I see that there are a thousand warning signs. There are a thousand opportunities to discipline, to reprove, to correct, to train. There are a thousand warning signs. Then I see families not in church, 
I see young people not in church. And then there's an email, there's a prayer request, or someone says in person, Austin, it's a mess. Aaron, it's a mess. We want you to fix it. And a lot of times they're still not in church. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. But God can only set someone free who wants to be set free. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, Paul wrote to Timothy, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Say terrible times. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 2, Paul gives us the signs. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And Paul writes to Timothy, have nothing to do with them. And as pastor's been saying, that has to be our stance as a church by who or what we allow. But in your family, that has to be your stance, that you're not going to have anything to do with wickedness or ungodliness or rebellion or bad attitudes or bad behavior of any kind. Now, what does the Bible tell us about marriage, family, and parenting in these days? Proverbs 22, 6 says, train a child in the way he should go, not in the way he wants to go. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. The New King James says not depart from it. You've heard my father say that our job as parents is not done until our children are well-educated, well-married, and self-sufficient. What does that mean? Productive, successful, providing for themselves, providing for a family. But what is the challenge that we face in these days? What is the challenge that we face in 2022? It is raising godly families and godly children in this wicked culture. And do not be deceived. This is a wicked culture. I said, do not be deceived. This is a wicked culture. And see, see, right now you might think, oh man, he's out there. Well, there's your problem. Until in your home and your family, you are willing to call wicked what God says is wicked, you're going to lose your home. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your children. I didn't bring the reference, but the Bible says, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness. James, when dealing with the tongue, says, can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? You're going to have to make a decision. It's either going all the way with God or compromising with the world. You're going to have to make a decision. The challenge we face raising godly families in this wicked culture. The greatest command is the love command, to love with the agape love of God, which is a self 
less love. Jesus said in Matthew 22, beginning in verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you're married, your closest neighbor is your spouse, your husband or wife. If you have children, your next closest neighbor is your children. Love, agape love, the God kind of love begins in your home and in your family. If I love my wife, after the Lord, if I love my wife, I'm going to put her first. If I love my children, I'm going to put them first and their well-being and their protection and their safety. I'm going to put them first ahead of myself. If I love my wife and children, I will do what's best for them, no matter what's going on in the world. If I love my family, I will love and I will parent and I will lead my family the way the Bible says in this wicked culture. Not the way the world says. Not the way some psychologist says. Not the way some influencer on Instagram says. If I love my family, I will love and parent and lead. I said lead. I will lead my family the way the Bible says in this wicked culture. So today and next Sunday, we're learning how to lead our families righteously with the love of God in wicked days. How to lead our families righteously with the love of God in wicked days. Do not be ignorant or misled about the days in which we're living. Robert Gagnon, one of the few Christian professors and theologians with the guts and the courage to speak out on these issues, has written that in previous decades, the percentage of young people embracing what the world calls alternative lifestyles might have been one to 2% of those generations. But in just the last few years with Generation Z, that number first grew to 10%, but in the last four years has doubled to 20%. Wicked is becoming culturally fashionable. And you cannot let it in your home, your family at all. Well, Austin, you sound old-fashioned. Yes. You know, back in the day at I-30, some of the men used to say of my father, it's tight, but it's right. Amen. See, the, the cost is too great to compromise, to not be clear, to not lead with moral conviction in the days in which we're living. Love, agape love, is not ignorant or blind. Love, agape love, doesn't just hope for the best. Love, agape love, takes action to ensure the best possible outcome. Don't be ignorant or misled about the days we're living in. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. You can look at Genesis 6. The days of Noah were wicked, and God, in response to that wickedness, limited man's days to 120 years. But man became more perverse and more wicked. Fallen angels produced giants with the daughters of men. Genesis 6, beginning in verse 5, says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. 
The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. His heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I had made them. And someone might say, yes, and God judged. But then there was a rainbow. There was a covenant. Look at how the wicked have taken a symbol of God's covenant and turned it into a symbol of wickedness, flaunting it at God. See, America's sins are being stored up to the brim. Make no mistake, judgment is coming. And yes, God will not judge again by rain or by water, but he is going to judge again by fire. Verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. He was righteous and blameless, and he walked with God. No new covenant. Jesus had not yet come. No Holy Spirit, no indwelling of the Holy Spirit. No Bible. Yet Noah was a righteous man, a blameless man, and he walked with God. It is possible to be righteous and to be blameless and to walk with God. The days may be wicked, but you can live a righteous, blameless life. And like Noah, you and your family can walk with God. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. We live in wicked days. We live in wicked days. Perversion abounds. The wicked no longer hide their agenda. Not only do they want to confuse children, they want to mutilate them now and maim them now for sexual perversion. They so hate God, they want to mutilate and maim what was made in the image of God. These are the days of Noah. These are the days of Romans chapter 1. Romans 1 beginning in verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. See, evidence for God, evidence for right and wrong, it's all around us. Evidence for right and wrong is stamped on the heart of every human being. So men are without excuse. Women are without excuse. Mankind is without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, for idols, made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Where we're living in days like ancient Rome, People worship the creation and not the creator. Judgment is going to come. Who is forever praised. Because of this, God gave them over. Verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves 
the due penalty for their perversion. Paul says elsewhere, the wages of sin, it is death. It doesn't matter what treatments they come up with. There's always going to be a due penalty for perversion. And monkeypox is just the latest. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. That's what we're seeing in real time right now. Just when you think we've seen the newest depravity, they're going to have something new this week. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. There it is again, a sign of the last days. Disobedience to parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. These are the days in which we're living. Like the wicked days of Nero and ancient Rome during which Paul lived, these are the days in which we're living. How we live matters. What we do matters. How our children live, it matters. What they do matters. Now, preachers today may deny this, but this is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 5, beginning in verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, they will not. So say, they will not. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the Bible is clear. The Old Testament is clear. The New Testament is clear. You've heard my father say that Genesis 18, 19 is the key to all prosperity and God's best. Days of heaven upon the earth. Genesis 18, 19, the Lord said of Abraham, for I know him that he will command. Why don't we all say that? Say, say command. command. So it's not optional. It's not a suggestion. I'm not going to beg or plead with you. Children, do what I've told you to do. Do what I've asked you to do. I know him that he will do what? He will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Last Sunday after the second service, a young father asked, said, Pastor Austin, why are there young people? And they, they grew up in church, but they're so lost today. And this is the answer. Their parents do not command them. Their parents do not command them. Their parents do not command them. Not suggest, not beg or plead, not quote unquote hope for the best or hope for a miracle. The Bible says we're to command. The Bible says we're to command. The Bible says we're to command. Not, not be best friends or BFFs. You see, you thought the problem is the child. Go home and look in the mirror. That's the problem. 
So you got to be clear about what's right and wrong in your life. You got to be clear about what's righteous and what's not. You got to be clear about how your home is going to be run and then run it. Command them. Command them. Command them. Love, agape love commands. Love, agape love commands. In these days, our attitude must be like that of Joshua and Joshua. 24 and verse 15. Doesn't matter what everyone else does. Doesn't matter what the world does. Doesn't matter what the rest of y'all do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Love, agape love, begins in the home and in the family. Love, agape love, like Joshua says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. Doesn't matter what the culture is doing. Doesn't matter what the culture says is now okay or is no longer sinful. It doesn't matter what backslidden, lukewarm Christians are saying or doing. No, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In your home, going to hell should not be an option. It shouldn't be an option. Doing certain things, living certain ways, it ought not be an option. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 5, says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That, that, that's all the time. That's all the time. Praise God for church on Sunday and on Wednesday. Praise God for youth group on Wednesday. Praise God for St. Paul's during the week. But that does not absolve us of our responsibility to teach and train and direct and command all the time. And again, it, it's sad, but it's true. People are just not in church, not doing the word, not taking action. Warning sign, warning sign. Warning sign, warning sign. Then they want Aaron and I to fix it with the private meeting during the week. If I cannot see you on Sunday on a regular basis, I am not going to meet with you during the week. And that's for the men. If you want to, ladies, you want to have a meeting, that's Pastor Sue or Jessica. Recently, a lady told my mom, she said, well, I'd like to meet with Austin or Pastor. Not gonna happen. <laughs> Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses, your gates. Moses then tells the people in verse 12, do not forget the Lord. He tells them in verses 13 to 14 to fear the Lord, to serve him only, to not follow other gods. He tells them in verse 16 to not put God to the test. He tells them in verse 18 to do what is right and good, that it may go well with them. And then when their children ask about the commands of God, why do we obey the Lord? Why this command? Why that command? Why do we obey the Lord? Moses says in verse 24 to tell them, the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive. Then you skip over to Deuteronomy 30 beginning in verse 19. Moses speaking on behalf of the Lord, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life so that you and your children may live. Life, it is a choice. 
God's way. It is a choice. The blessing of the Lord, it is a choice. Righteousness, holiness, purity, living life God's way, it is a choice. And in your home, you have to lead and you have to command accordingly. And if you do, that reveals that you really do have the agape love of God. Agape love leads and it commands. If I love my family, I'm going to lead them according to the word of God. If I love my family, I'm going to lead them to choose life and the blessing of the Lord, not death and the curse. If I love my family, I'm going to lead my family righteously in wicked days. If I love my family, I'm going to command my family and I'm going to command my children. And not just when they're little, but as Pastor shared in that recent video, to train and to retrain, to train and to, to retrain. They're not off the hook when they turn 12. They're not off the hook when they turn 15. I'm 40 years old. My father's telling me stuff all the time. <laughs> I can finish this service and have a, have a text on my phone with some commands or some instructions. Well, well, Austin, you know, they're, they're 18 and they're an adult. No, they're not. Are they paying for where they live? They don't even pay for their cell phone. Who's in charge? I said, who's in charge? I said, who's in charge? Who pays the bills? Who pays the cell phone bill? I, I heard an amen there in the back. And one of the things I heard growing up was we do right, you do what I want, or life as you know it ceases to exist. I don't know if Pastor Sewell will appreciate this one, but once, you know, there was some disagreement going on between her and Christina and my father, and he told them, and then now this scared the hell right out of me. <laughs> when I saw Pastor Gene tell Pastor Sue and Christina, but also Pastor Sue, this is what's going to happen, or life as you both know it will cease to exist. <laughs> Man, thought, he is serious. So I'm going to obey. Amen. Amen. If I love my family, I'm going to command my family. Amen. This wicked culture has redefined marriage and what it means to be a man or a woman. It wants men to feel bad about being men. But from the beginning, God has defined marriage and family and manhood and womanhood and gender. Love, agape love, Biblical love does not permit confusion of any kind in your home and in your family. A man is a man. A woman is a woman. A man cannot become a woman. A woman cannot become a man. You, you cannot change your chromosomes. There are about 30 trillion cells in the human body. Every cell shows which sex you are. You cannot change that. When they dig up your body 100 years from now, the DNA will reveal a man or a woman. When they dig your body up a hundred years from now, the skeleton will reveal it'll be that of a man or a woman. Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Why don't we say that just so there's not any confusion this morning? Male and female. There's not 35 choices. You know, everybody keeps talking about pronouns. I don't think this generation knows what a pronoun is. 
male and female, he created them. Genesis 2 and verse 24 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they, the t- they will become one flesh. So one man and one woman join together in the sight of God, and together they participate in the creation of the family of God. That has been God's plan from the beginning. And Satan has been opposed to it from the beginning. And family, it is one of the greatest joys that God has given us. And all that this wickedness is about robbing young people of one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. Family and the enjoyment of family and children and the enjoyment of children. To wreck and to ruin lives so they'll never know one of the greatest joys God has given us. From the beginning, God has defined marriage and family and manhood and womanhood and gender. In the New Testament, both Jesus and the Apostle Paul, they affirm that. What is righteous is one man and one woman joined together in holy matrimony. All other kinds of sex and every other circumstances, God calls sin. And some sins are not just sins, they are also abominations and perversions. As Paul says in Romans 1, some sins are indecent, shameful, unnatural, they go against God and creation. And if you head down that road, or you allow your children to head down that road, you or your children will receive in yourselves the due penalty of that perversion. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous, the NIV says the wicked, do you not know that the unrighteous, they will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Which means it is possible to be deceived. It was possible to be deceived in the first century. It's possible for people to be deceived today. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals. The King James says effeminate. Fathers, you have a solemn duty not to raise effeminate sons. Command them. Direct them. Let them play sports. Let them get knocked down. The last thing I want to do is go camping. But I'm going to take Samuel camping. Now I'm going to see if I can line up a cappuccino maker and a Wi-Fi, but praise (laughs) God, we're going. Jessica's believing for one of those Lux family travel vans. And that's great, as long as it has Wi-Fi and a cappuccino maker. We are to raise manly sons. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, or the effeminate, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And I realize there, there's the message out there today and the American church that you can just live however you want and claim to be a follower of Jesus. But that is a lie and it will lead you straight to hell. You're to give up the old. The old man, the old woman is supposed to be crucified with Christ. You're supposed to give it up. You're supposed to be that person Paul speaks of. That is what some of you were. Let him who lied, lie no longer. Let him who stole, 
stole no longer, but work with his hands. That is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. See, see, I've read the Apostle Paul. I know that as soon as I gave my life to Jesus Christ, my life and my destiny and my body were no longer my own. Well, we need to get clear about this again. And parents, we need to communicate this in the, the home and in the family that serving God and living for Jesus and following Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean that we can live however we want, do whatever we want, then come to church occasionally to feel good about ourselves. His way is the way of discipleship. We are to give up unrighteousness. We are to give up wickedness. We are to surrender our lives to him. We're to live for him wholeheartedly. And we're to do for him whatever he asks us to do. Amen. See, you might say a little of the world is okay. Well, a little becomes more, and a more becomes a lot. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And parents, if you don't honor God with your body, why would you expect your children to? And if you're in a situation where you're a widow or a widower or single, they, they know more of what's going on than you think they do. So if you don't honor God, why would you think they'll honor God? If you don't do right, why would you think they'll do right? Love, agape love, honors God spiritually, physically, morally, and sexually. Honor God with your body. Parents, do everything you can to ensure your children and your teens and your young adults honor God with their bodies. Love, agape love, biblical love does not permit confusion of any kind in the home. There should be no confusion in our homes. No matter what the world is promoting, no matter what Target is selling. Jessica told me this morning that now you go on certain websites and you click girls' clothes or women's clothes and it automatically mixes in men's clothes. So the world's crazy. The world's on the crazy train. But you have to be clear in your family like Joshua, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And we're not doing confusion. I said we're not doing confusion. And anything that looks like confusion and talks like confusion and acts like confusion, we're not doing any confusion. Yes, styles may change, but Paul's writings to the New Testament church are clear. We should dress decently with modesty, and men should look like men, and women should look like women. Paul even encouraged the women in the church of Corinth who had been saved and set free from a lifestyle of prostitution or slavery to let their hair grow out so that they would not be confused for prostitutes or slaves in the city of Corinth. There is something wrong and sinful and rebellious when a Christian young person wants to look like the world and talk like the world and act like the world. And there's something wrong in the home when Christian parents allow it. Got to learn the power of no. Maybe that needs to be a message here in a few Sundays. The power of no. Can I hang out with so-and-so? 
No. Can I go over there? No. Can I go see this movie? No. Can I do my hair like that? No. Can I wear that? No. Then you break out the yardstick. Now, we're, we're, we're not Amish. We're not old-fashioned Pentecostal people. Jessica's got makeup on this morning. But we're also honest when we read the New Testament, there ought to be some guidelines. We are, we are to live in a way that honors the Lord. We are to dress in a way that honors the Lord. We're not to conduct ourselves in any way that might lead a brother or sister into sin. Amen. And we ought not be doing anything that makes people wonder, what's going on? They need to have their eyes checked. Is there a confusion in the home? There is something wrong and sinful and rebellious when a Christian young person wants to look like the world and talk like the world and act like the world. And there's something worse and wrong when Christian parents allow it. That's not the love, that's not the agape love of God. It may be worldly mercy and sentimentality, but it is not the agape love of God. When a young person's attitude is, how far can I go? How much can I do? How much can I get away with? How much sin is too much sin? That reveals a sinful, wicked, rebellious attitude. Open the door a little, and soon Satan will have free reign. The Bible is clear that we're not to give him any geographic place or territory in our lives. Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil. The NIV says, not even a foothold. Young people. I know some of the young people might not have been ready for this. Young people, you have been made in the image of God. And God's divine image is stamped upon you. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And Satan wants you to hate yourself. Satan wants you to hate who God made you to be. Satan wants you to hate what you look like. Satan wants you to hate yourself. And Satan wants you to deface the image of God. You can cut it. You can mark it. You can mutilate it. You can do everything you can do to look like the world. But none of that changes the fact that you are made in God's image. And one day, you will stand before a holy God to give an account for what you did with your life and with your body. Yes, there are people in the church who once lived worldly lives, but God redeemed them out of the darkness into the light. And if you ask them, you can ask them after the service, they'll tell you they want better for their children. Every command in the word of God is for our benefit. Those with rough backgrounds aren't judging me right now. The ones judging me are the ones who are afraid to lead their homes. They think a little compromise is fine. They think a little confusion is fine. They think a little sin is fine. They think the world and worldliness and moderation is fine. But the Bible says a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9 says, God has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're not to imitate the darkness or to walk in the darkness we're to walk in the light as he's in the light. Friends, young people, you are already marked. You're marked with the image of Almighty God. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 19, says, You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. I belong to God. 
My family belongs to God. My children belong to God. And yes, even our bodies belong to God. Parents, God has called you to lead your home, not to be a coward in your home. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. 2 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 14 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. See, we ought to be distinguished. We ought to be set apart. And Jessica just told me in the green room before we came out, see, see when the world sees an innocent young person, a righteous young person, they, they go into overtime working to corrupt and to lead that young person astray. So you have to be on your guard. You have to be on your guard. We're to be a holy people, distinguished and set apart. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 14, says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9, God has saved us and called us to a holy life. In chapter 2, verse 19, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must, say, say must, must turn away from wickedness. Parents, God has called you to lead your home not to cower or to be a coward in your home. Don't be afraid to lead. Don't be afraid to say no. Don't be, able, don't be afraid to turn the Wi-Fi off. Don't be afraid to unplug all the power cords. Don't be afraid to take something out to the street. You know, I've, I've learned in our home, we have something to give away, but it's not the best condition. I can walk it out to the street here in Mansfield, and it is gone in like five minutes. <laughs> don't be afraid. Tell your neighbor, say, don't be afraid. Tell your other neighbor, say, don't be afraid. See, be better that they be saved and be unhappy with you for a day or two than be lost. Don't be afraid to lead. Don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to make your children finish what they start. Love, agape love leads. Love, agape love leads. It does not compromise. Love, agape love commands. Love, agape love does not permit confusion of any kind in your home. Love, agape love protects your children and your family from confusion. Don't allow confusion and moral confusion of any kind in your home. Guard and filter what your children watch and listen to. You know, you might say, I'm going to let them see such and such. Have you seen it? Have you watched it? Well, well, Austin, that might take some time. That might take some effort. Yes. And there are certain things I'm not going to watch, so I just say, no, 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 no. And it's getting so wicked, the day may come, we have to unplug entirely. As in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. Guard and filter what your children watch and listen to. As they get older, monitor and police the technology and social media. Both can expose them to a world of evil. There was, there was a young lady, and 
In 2020, she, she went home. Parents didn't make her come to church. And she was lost in a matter of months, ruined by social media and TikTok and online friends. Don't allow confusion or moral confusion of any kind in your home. What about a confused relative or family member or friend? Is it worth your children being lost for all eternity to make a lost person happy? Is it worth your children being lost for all eternity to make a lost person feel good about their own confusion or perversion or wickedness? Dr. Lester Summerall once told my parents, keep your children close. Children do not learn evil, wicked things at home. And that's true. As long as you don't allow evil, wicked things in your home, and as long as you don't allow evil, wicked, compromised people into your home. And it doesn't matter if they're your friend. Doesn't matter if they're your blood relative. You have to protect the home. You have to protect your family. You have to protect your children in the days in which we're living. Love, agape love, protects children from wrong friends and wrong relationships and wrong influences. James 4 and verse 4 says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Parents, stop allowing your children to become friends of this world. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 33, says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. If I, I love my children, I'm not going to let them have wrong friendships. If I love my children, I'm not going to let them later date lukewarm, backslidden Christians, or worse, unbelievers. Love, agape love, does not allow children to date and marry unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14 says, do not be yoked together with who? Unbelievers. Genesis 27 verse 46, Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. Chapter 28, verse 1, so Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him and commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. So like Abraham, Isaac commanded Jacob. Now, we know from the word of God, Moses had a Cushite wife that would have been from the area of Ethiopia. So God's command for Israel to intermarry, to not intermarry, was not about race or ethnicity. It was about religion. God knew that if they intermarried with the other nations in the promised land, they would be led into idolatry and wickedness. That was Solomon's downfall. Wrong marriages. Women turned his heart from God. Samson was anointed and set apart from birth. Yet that was his downfall, his pursuit of worldly women. You might ask, as my children get older, how do I have a voice? How do I persuade my children and then my teens and then my young adults to make the right choices in life and in dating and marriage? That's why you can't be a hypocrite. That's why you have to set the example. That's why you have to lead by example. And that's why you just can't have rules in the home. Ephesians 6 and verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3 and verse 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. 
And I could tell stories. I'm out of time. I can't tell stories today. You just can't have rules, 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 rules. That's not who our Heavenly Father is. There are rules and there are consequences for wrongdoing and disobedience, and there are rules, and there are rewards and blessings for obedience. So when it comes to fatherhood and parenting and leading, or for you ladies that you're on your own, for you leading in your home, when it comes to leading the family, who is our example? Our heavenly father. And yes, he has rules, There are consequences for wrongdoing, for disobedience, and then there are blessings for obedience and righteousness and right conduct. So you have to model our Heavenly Father in your home and in your family. Got to have rules with consequences for wrongdoing, but rules with rewards for obedience. Don't spoil your children, but also don't lead them to resents you. Reward good. Bless good. Bless obedience. Now here's a little preview of next Sunday. Love, agape love, disciplines. See, someone was hopeful I'd get to that today. I may bring the wooden spoon next Sunday. We shall see. They don't make them like they used to. Love, agape love, trains and retrains. Love, agape love, rewards obedience and good behavior. Love, agape love, leads, it is not led. Love, agape love, promotes righteousness. Love, agape love, protects. Love, agape love, it is tough. Not a a pushover, not weak. Love, agape love, it is tough. Love, agape love, it is not fearful. Love, agape love, puts God first. Love, agape love, serves. Just reading that yesterday, we're to submit one to another. The husband is to love the wife as Christ loves the church. Love, agape love, serves. And love, agape love, is faithful. Faithful to God. Faithful to the word of God. Faithful to your spouse. Faithful to your children faithful to their well-being, faithful to your church. So we're, we're going to cover some good things next week. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and perhaps you don't know God. You're lost. You're on your way to hell. You don't know the Lord. You don't know God. You're not a part of the family of God. This world that we live in, it'll lie to you. It'll tell you that you can live a kind of good life and that's enough. That's sufficient. You'll be in heaven someday, but it is a lie. The Bible says, the New Testament tells us, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us, we are in need of a Savior. And there's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes upon him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You can call upon him today and be saved. You can call upon the name of Jesus today and be welcomed in to the family of God. Born again, washed of your sins, set free, a part 
of the family of God. He did all of that for you. But we have a part to play. The Bible tells us that Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking. But you have to open the door. You have to ask him to come in. If you're here today and say, Austin, I've never done that, but I want to. I want to ask Jesus into my heart and into my life. I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be a part of God's family. That's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it high, where I'll see it and I'll know. You want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to be a part of God's family. Pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be a part of the family of God. You might also be here today and at one time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you, you know you've not been living for the Lord. You've done your own thing and you've been paying the price. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It's time to stop blaming God. It's time to stop blaming others. It's time to get right with God and live life the way he's called you to live it. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning, and that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. Pray with me. I want to recommit my life to God. I want a new beginning. I want a fresh start today. If that's you, raise your hand to where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. You might be watching and listening online now or later. Say, Austin, pray with me. Repeat this simple prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus to be the Lord and to be the Savior of my life. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to be a blessing to you. Go to the address on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, we'll send you a Bible. We'll also bless you with a copy of God's Very Own Child in English or in Spanish, quick, easy to read. It'll help you get started in living the Christian life. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. We all have things to change. We all have things to improve. We all have things to do differently, to do better. And each of us has leaven in our lives that needs to be swept out so we could have days of heaven upon the earth. And so I thank you by your spirit for convicting and leading each of us and leading every family into truth and righteousness and godliness in these days. And I thank you. Anyone here under the sound of my voice, anyone listening or watching now, online, later, anyone that has come to a place in their life where they are bound, they're addicted to any work of the enemy, but they want to be free. They look to you. They're, they're asking you for freedom. They're asking you for deliverance. They're asking you for victory. And I ask that you would set them free and deliver them now by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This is why the message that's out there in the American church today is so dangerous that you can live a life of sin and God approves. You're okay with God. He doesn't. It is not okay. The Bible tells us without holiness, 
no one will see the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that if you want to be set free of something, our Heavenly Father will set you free of it. But you've then got to be willing to sweep clean your life. Because Jesus talked about someone being set free, the house is swept clean, but if you don't fill your house with the things of God, the devil's going to come back with other spirits, and you're going to be seven times worse off. And I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it. Someone jammed up, a child jammed up. They need a miracle. Pray, intercede. God does a miracle, and then you stand up the next Sunday, and where are they? If you ask him for his help, he'll help you. If you ask him for his deliverance, he'll deliver you. But then you've got to do what God told his people, to not forget him. Then you got to tell your children to not forget him.